comes to getting stressed in life, there's three key areas stress comes from. Events that happen to us, for example, being made redundant, situations we find ourselves in, so perhaps being asked to deliver a presentation when public speaking isn't your thing. And the third one, other people. Yep, there's no getting away from them. Of course, for the most part, we get on with those around us and enjoy healthy and productive relationships. However, if you find yourself in a situation whereby a particular person really grates on you and there's no way to avoid coming into contact with them, things can become really difficult, which in turn, of course, takes those stress levels to a whole new high. Of course, let's get real, it's super easy for us to forget that this isn't just one-way traffic. However supportive, friendly, charming and approachable you are, there's also the strong chance you're the source of someone else's frustrations. This can be a helpful point of reference, and I'll come to that later. As with similar themes, in many ways it boils down to your mindset. Are you of the opinion that most people you come into contact with are out to get you, purposefully going out of their way to annoy you? Or do you recognise that most people are actually trying their best, doing what they can to navigate life while juggling a multitude of situations and challenges? A good place to start is to take a look at our own preferred style of communication. That way we can gain insight into why sometimes engaging with others is magical. It's a walk in the park, a totally pleasurable experience. But with others, yeah, not so much. Now there's a great tool actually that you can use, created by psychologists David Merrill and Roger Reed. You can access it online as well, so just go onto Google, type in Merrill and Reed and you'll find it. It was actually originally created to predict leadership styles and personalities, but it's also used to identify communication preferences. It'll literally take you 10 minutes to complete. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, why even bother? Well, what it'll do is highlight your preferred style of communication. For example, are you quiet and introspective or assertive and domineering? Do you bounce off the walls with energy and excitement? Or are you simply a great listener, patient and supportive? Now, you're probably thinking, yeah, hold on, Tom, I'm, I'm pretty self-aware. I already know this stuff about me. So, you know, why is any of this important? Well, it'll also highlight how you're perhaps adapting your natural communication style to better suit the environment within which you're working. So if the results you get differ from what was expected, this may go some way to provide insight into why communication with others isn't going as smoothly as normal. Plus, discovering this about yourself can also answer why it can feel mentally exhausting if you've had to communicate with multiple people. Adapting to a style that's not yours naturally, it takes effort. And when we're tired, up against it, and people are making demands of us we could do without, we may find we say things out of character. The reason being, is because we are. So once you've done the questionnaire, on my website, tomdunman.com, there's a blog entitled How to Deal with Annoying People, Tactics That Actually Work. And I outline how all the personalities interact and explore how best to communicate to get the best out of others. So another question, what are the chances you irritate people to? Well, probably fair to say you're kidding yourself if you think you don't. To coin a phrase, we can't please all of the people all of the time and we can't control what others think of us. So assuming you're not actively going out of your way to aggravate others, you'll have to do what you can to get over the fact that the entire world isn't a fan. So what can we do? What are the easy approaches we can take and what things do we need to be mindful of that will actually make a difference? Self-awareness can be a powerful thing in these circumstances. So number one, and this is a common one and it may seem pretty basic to you, 
What is it you do when someone's bellowing at you in anger? Well, if you've got form for fighting fire with fire, you may want to dial things back. Attacking verbally when you're being attacked rarely resolves situations peacefully. Don't get me wrong, I totally understand. It can be incredibly hard to remain composed and in control of one's emotions. However, it's entirely possible hearing someone out, letting them have their say, express their emotions and feel hurt will go some way to enabling the other person to come off the boil for themselves. Number two, have you ever had someone be frustrated at you about something happening in their world? And being the loving, supporting person you are, you respond by trying to find solutions for them because you care. You perhaps suggest ideas only to find yourself being shouted at. Try this instead. It's called empathetic listening. So use language like it seems, it sounds, or it looks like when you're acknowledging what the other person is saying. For example, I can't believe this is happening to you. It sounds like things are really tough for you right now. It's a powerful way to demonstrate you're listening, seeing the world through another's eyes, and you're not making judgments. And it's because this language distances you emotionally. If the person wants your advice, they'll ask. Or you can simply say, how can I help? A book I cannot recommend strongly enough by Chris Voss explores this in depth. The book is called Never Split the Difference. It delves into this theme and I highly recommend it. Number three, if I suggested that you have the capacity to go from being absolutely fuming with rage to full of empathy in a heartbeat whenever you want, would you believe me? Well, how about this? Let me create a scenario. You're in a car going to the supermarket. As you enter the car park, great news. There's a space right outside the front opposite the entrance. So being health and safety conscious person you are, you swing around to prepare to reverse into the space. And just as you're positioning yourself to reverse back in, another car zooms in and parks right in your space. Is it fair to say that in that moment you wouldn't be best pleased? So for the purposes of this story, let's just imagine you jump out the car, you're fuming, you charge over to the other car and bang on their window while making it abundantly clear exactly how you feel about them. And as you're doing so, they jump out of the car, they turn around to you and say, I'm so, so sorry, my partner, they've gone into labour and is literally giving birth in the store. I need to get in there right now. Is it fair to say that in that moment you'd shift from being a cross, angry bear to being supportive, empathetic and asking how you might be of assistance? Now, I'm going to assume that you said yes. So what's this telling us? It's telling us we can, if we really want to, in a situation where someone is really getting on our nerves, upsetting us, creating mayhem in our lives, we can decide what things mean to us and thereby change our thinking. It's entirely within our control. I'm not for one moment saying it's easy, but you've just demonstrated to yourself that you could actually do it. Number four. So... Science has actually identified over 130 biases. So what am I talking about here? I'm talking about our unconscious biases. You may think you're immune to them and glide through life completely self-aware, but think again. Why is this theme important then? Because our judgments influence our thinking, and it can be super easy to jump to conclusions based on our previous experiences, which then leads us to say and do things we may later regret. But Let's also give ourselves a break. Clearly, it is a challenge to navigate this mindful day-to-day. Our biases can be deeply ingrained, and we may not always be consciously aware. 
That said, at least knowing we've definitely got them, that we're probably unaware of many of them, but we've a willingness to make changes when they're highlighted to us, well, that's a positive step in the right direction. Let me just bring this whole theme to life. Here's one that may be very familiar to you. Have you ever sent someone a text only to be what's called left on read? So what do I mean by that? You can see that they've read the message, but they haven't responded to you. What thoughts have gone through your mind? Stuff like, they're ignoring me. Oh, I can't believe how bloody rude they are. Who the hell do they think they are? They're clearly avoiding me. They obviously don't love me. They're ignorant, a time waster. They're just a player. I'm sure this list could go on and on. And feel free to add your own. Let me ask you a question though. Have you ever left someone on red? Was there a valid reason for it? Were you busy at that moment in time? Did the message appear as you were typing so now it looks as though you've read it when you haven't? Was there something else happening in your world that didn't allow you to give it your full attention in that moment? Don't even pretend that you haven't. So we're just as guilty of this behavior and it's what's called attribution bias. Now. I get it, that's not language many of us use day to day, Uh, but here's what it means. We attribute other people's negative actions stroke behaviours as them being ignorant, rude, obnoxious or irritating, but when we do those things that are of the exact same nature, we rationalise it as being appropriate given the moment, and we do this all the time. Here's another example. I'm going to make a massive assumption once again that you drive. And even if you don't, you'll, you'll get the gist of this. So that car that cut you up the other day. Bet you didn't have many positive thoughts about the driver. But have you ever cut someone up unintentionally because you'd got distracted, lost your way, or had to take evasive action? Now, depending upon how long you've been on the road driving, sure you have. So the next time any minor act of inconvenience has you boiling inside and ready for a fight, take a moment to pause. Could it be they're simply distracted, busy, or otherwise engaged? That whatever is happening is actually not about you and your ego, It's simply life just playing out. Okay, number five. Your rules impact upon the quality of your relationships. So once again, what does this even mean? And what rules am I talking about? Put simply, your rules are what you need to have happen in order for you to feel happy. So given their importance, how aware are you of your rules? Let's get under the skin of this. Maybe you've got a rule that the dishwasher is to be put on every evening before everyone goes to bed. Or perhaps you've a rule that the toilet seat is never left up. Or maybe you've a rule that when a text gets read, you should reply straight away. Now, these may all seem totally reasonable as rules, and I'm sure given time you'd be able to think of some of your own. Thing is, when our rules are broken, it can induce an emotional response because to you, something important didn't happen the way in which you want it to. So in your eyes, your rule, and when I say rule, I'm saying it in inverted commas, has been violated. And this triggers your emotions, which equals you becoming annoyed, leading to you perhaps behaving in a way you'd later regret. Here's another way that rules play out. It may be that your rule is when I give you flowers, it shows I love you. However, your partner's rule might be, I feel loved when my partner cleans up after themselves and makes me dinner. Now, if neither of you knows what each other's rules are, guess what? You're going to go through life utterly confused why you and your partner are falling out simply because the way you express and receive love has never been communicated. You never shared it with one another. So, what are your rules? Take a moment, 
have a think. Oh, and by the way, some rules serve us. They create structure in our lives. For example, you may have a rule that says, I'll always be there to click my children from school at 3.30. However, you may also have some rules that create unnecessary friction. Rules that perhaps in the grand scheme of things, you'd benefit from relaxing or letting go of. So, is there a solution? Well, as with many of these things, it comes down to communication. Let others know what your rules are, why they're important to you, and how it makes you feel when they are, in your eyes, broken. The communication bit, yeah, it may be awkward, uncomfortable, I get that. But done in the spirit of developing quality, loving relationships, better that than full-blown arguments over small, everyday life things. Number six, lower your expectations. What do I mean by this? Guess what? You are going to get let down by people. That's life. It's 100% going to happen. I'm not a fan of suggesting to others they might want to lower their standards, but being mindful that interactions with others is prone to unpredictability and things won't always work out as you'd hoped is simply just being realistic. You can influence and try to persuade others, but you're never going to be able to control what they do. And finally, number seven, you can actively avoid getting into unnecessary conflict. It's an absolute certainty that whatever opinions you have, someone else will have a counter-argument. We all have opinions, beliefs and convictions, but forcing them on others clearly has a potential to create friction. Obviously, you're totally entitled to express your views on anything you like, assuming it's done in a respectful and appropriate fashion. However, expecting or demanding others to agree or not have a view of their own, you're kind of kidding yourself. In today's age too, it's so incredibly easy to express our views of others' opinions. You know, think about it on Insta, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, you know, the list goes on. It's so easy to put something in those comment boxes. But it's also a very quick way of creating frustration and undue pressure on ourselves. I'm sure your life at times is super busy. You know, investing your energy in getting into endless counter-arguments that no one is ever going to win online, you know, seriously, don't get involved. And finally, here's a few other pointers that may go some way to better connecting with others. Number one, set boundaries. If there's people who are always asking for favours or constantly making demands of you, be explicit when it comes to your communication in regards to this works for me, this doesn't. Just be respectfully assertive. Number two, you probably do this one already actually, sometimes humour can be a useful way to kind of lighten the interaction. Obviously, it's all going to depend upon how comfortable you feel in being able to uh, uh, inject a little bit of your, your wit and charm. Number three, if it's at all possible and it's not going to impact upon your responsibilities, simply avoid getting into conversations with those people that cause you stress. If you can avoid them, do so. Next one, take back your power. Respectfully walk away. Just walk away from a situation should it become uncomfortable or utterly overwhelming. All you've got to do is just ensure that it's done in a way that doesn't negatively impact upon another person. But hey, there's no harm in empowering yourself. And number six, don't forget, you're not alone. Tap into friends, family, the community, helplines. Talk to someone else about the person who's been bothering you. One thing you can absolutely guarantee that whoever you connect with, they will have experienced something similar. And guess what? They might actually have some good advice. And that's it. Thank you so much for being here. I trust this podcast was of value and you've got some new ideas that you can work with. 
Good luck with your future interactions. Now, I have a ton of other personal and professional development podcasts here, so please go check them out, and I'll see you at the next one.